A nature trail is more than a path. It's a place for weekend laughter, moments of self-reflection, or a much-needed breath of fresh air. With All Trails Plus, you can plan your next hike, ride, or run with confidence so you can relax and enjoy the journey. All Trails Plus gives you all the info you need in one place so you can make the most of your time outdoors. Quickly discover new trails near you and spend less time driving and more time on the trail with the Distance Away feature. And get immersive trail previews and 3D views so you know what to expect before your first step. Want to go where cell service can't? Download the map to keep your route in hand and never get lost, even offline. You can even get alerts if you take an unexpected turn. There's a trail out there for everyone. Get outside today with three free months of All Trails Plus. Just use code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. That's three months free at alltrails.com slash podcast with code PODCAST23. An important message from Blue Ridge Hospice. There may be several hospices now claiming to serve the area, but Blue Ridge Hospice is the only local hospice that has been serving here for 40 plus years, operates the only hospice inpatient care center, conducts the only community-wide grief and bereavement programs, offers a nationally recognized music therapy program in conjunction with Shenandoah University, outscores every other Virginia hospice in Medicare's quality scores, and so much more. Blue Ridge Hospice, the first, the best. Find out more at blueridgehospice.com. Hi, and welcome to the Grace Under Pressure podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Willis, and today I am joined with my guest, uh, Elena Lott. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's so nice to be here. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, well, I tell the folks a little bit about who you are, you know, name. Obviously, we already know that, but rank, you know, competition style, well, excuse me, competition track record, those kind of wonderful details. Yeah. So, um, hey, my name is Elena Lott. Um, I've been training since I was four years old. So I just turned 21 yesterday. Um, so a little Ooh. over years um i'm a brown belt um and i currently compete in ibjjf um tournaments i'll do some um some local stuff every now and then like agf and things like that but for the most part i focus on ibjjf and um and really focus on my ranking there um yeah i compete all over the united states and have some international stuff coming up soon so i'm excited to see where that goes that's great. I'll, I'll be honest with you. You are the uh, the first person I've talked to who has started training when they were in the single digits. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got to ask, wh- how and why did you get started so young? Yeah. So my dad is my coach. So um, <clears throat> when me and my siblings were younger, he started, I mean, he's been doing martial arts since he was a kid as well. Um, but jujitsu wasn't until we were all kind of around. So um, whenever we were kids, he opened up his own jujitsu gym after he had started training for a while. And we've just been doing it since. Um, it's kind of been a family thing. We haven't really stopped. Um, so now we have two locations with multiple affiliate gyms and locations. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's becoming more and more prevalent in our lives um even more so than it was before but yeah so it's it's a family thing and and we enjoy it a lot so has it I know 
with me having a sister and, you know, other people out there listening that have siblings, sometimes, you know, when you get in a little bit of a combat sport or combat situation, it, it doesn't go well, but it's brought y'all closer together. You think? Um, definitely has. Um, especially like now that we're older, we get to, um, teach classes together and, you know, be in the gym together and have kind of the same friend group and community. Yeah. And it's definitely something that I'm grateful for now. Now, when we were teenagers and like, we were, um, you know, getting out of middle school and we'd have long days and we knew that we could take it out on each other. That wasn't that fun. But now looking back at it, it's, <laughs> I'm super grateful for, for that. Um, <laughs> about to say that would be a, it's a kind of a sanctioned sister versus sister or sister versus brother situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, um, my, my, I said my older brother, my younger brother, Brayden, um, he is phenomenal. He, his game is just, it's crazy. He's so good. So I think whenever he hit about the 15, 16 mark, it was like, okay, dude, I'm not messing with you anymore. <laughs> like no, no argument fights, no play fights. Like I'm, I'm done. <laughs> You're big. I'll pass. Yeah, he for sure is. Y'all all, whenever, um, uh, ben and I and the rest of our team up here come and visit and y'all just dog everybody it's just <laughs> you know and again you've been doing it since you're four I think that's that's just really awesome yeah, it's fair it's fair yeah um so yeah why did you obviously you know you get started in jujitsu because of your father which is a great reason but why um com competition scene did you get started when you were a teenager or was that later on when you got into college yeah. yeah so um basically when we were kids me and my sister were in the first jujitsu tournament in the state of louisiana oh wow um so whenever we were kids obviously it was something that we wanted to do it was never anything that was forced upon us Mm -hmm. But it was definitely some pressure, uh, you know, like with your with your parents being like owners of, of some of the founding jiu-jitsu gyms in, in the state. Um, and so when we were kids, it was like it wasn't expected, but it was it was almost expected. Like we were going to compete. Mm -hmm. and we were going to win and we were going to do well. And um, that's not just, that wasn't a family dynamic. That was just a jiu-jitsu community dynamic, I feel mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Um, with the, the, the kids who started in it. Um, <clears throat> so the problem with that and with the problem with jujitsu being so small and as small as it was, um, me and Alyssa were having to fight, you know, 13, 14 year old boys when we were mm -hmm. nine, 10, 11. Jeez. And I mean, we were doing well because I mean, you know, when you don't know when the when people that size don't know what they're doing, like, obviously it's going to be easier to manipulate their movement and do whatever, but I mean, it's intimidating and it's scary. Um, yeah. And I remember there was this one, there was this one match where I like was just sobbing my eyes out before I went into the ring. And I was like, I told dad, I was like, I don't want to do it. He made me do it anyway. And I ended up doing like fairly well. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. And I remember I was like maybe 11 and mm -hmm. I, I just told him, I was like, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm over this. And so that really kind of puts a bitter taste in your mouth on like the sport. Mm -hmm. um, because like I said, jujitsu is so small, but now like it's, I mean, it's a huge thing. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, if you, if you talk to anybody in, in almost any state, they're like, Oh yeah, I feel like jujitsu is pretty common now, you know? So I started competing again when I was, um, I want to say 50, 
13. So I took a little break from competing. I was still active in the gym, but I didn't, I wasn't competing. So I started competing again when I was 15. Um, my first bigger competition uh, back was an AGF. Mm-hmm. I was a green belt. Um, and I, they put me in the blue belt women's division. So I was a teenager fighting in the blue belt women's division. And if you know anything about jujitsu, like adult blue belt women are like monsters. I mean, yes. And so walking into that, I was like, oh gosh, like I'm terrified. Um, and I ended up wrist locking the girl within like two minutes. And I was like, man, like, this is crazy. Like I've been missing out so much. And then since then, um, I, I definitely do uh, multiple tournaments a year. I compete pretty actively with my brother and my sister. Mm-hmm. We travel, we go do some, sem- well, not seminars, but we go and attend seminars and we like, you know, well, I guess we do seminars too. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy how fast like that flipped for us from like casually competing here and there to, to, Hey, let's try to get one out a month, you know, or one mm-hmm. to two out a month. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. And I think you, you highlight something that I think a lot of females have, been, you know, struggle with is that in the beginning, it was such a, I don't want to say a bro fest, but it was just mainly guys doing it. And it still is a male dominated sport um, that it's hard to find, you know, females in your age bracket, experience bracket uh, that you can go up against and feel like, okay, I stand a chance versus, you know, at nine years old versus saying, you know, or going up against a 13 year old male, you know, which ranging testosterone hormones, everything going on. I wouldn't want to fight that. (laughs) Right. And like you said, it's, it's crazy. Like just here recently, I was um, looking at the IBJJF New Orleans tournaments coming up um, in July. And I was looking at the female, brown belt division and there are no adult female brown belts registered like none and um it's just it's crazy to me because then you go over to the males bracket and it's like it's like you have 30 adults registered in this in this division mm-hmm. and it's just I mean while jiu-jitsu is growing and it's it's crazy we still like we still have some growing to do in the women's department especially in the south um I feel like it's more present uh like I feel like more women um uh, are doing it more on the west coast yeah uh, but here in the South, it's so hard. I feel like just because it's, we're, we're a few years behind everything that's happening in California and, mm-hmm. you know, all in, in Nevada and like all those places. And so um, it's, it's, it's fun to see it trickling in, but it, it's slowly, but surely happening. Slowly, but surely. And then I know you're talking about the adult division. There's, you know, a lot of, you know, younger females I've noticed but when you get up into the master's brackets like me there's even fewer and yeah. so it's like I gotta find some old grandmas I gotta go up against you know <laughs> of course but justice yeah. for grandma <laughs> yes absolutely you know that jujitsu grandma man I gotta get her on the show but man if she can do it I can do it and, and you know anybody yeah. can do this now yeah but you know when you started competing you know when you were you know younger and having to go up against you know, people or, and even, you know, people you wouldn't be matched with ideally. Is that where you feel like you started developing your game or have you just thrown that out because Mm -hmm. now you have found what really works for you? Um, yeah. So a big part of my family, I feel like jujitsu journey is, um, 
the the different styles of jujitsu that we have learned. Um, and when you say that to people, they don't, I don't think they understand. Cause I mean, immediately you think of like Taekwondo and all these other forms of like martial art. You're like, well, like what, what form of jujitsu is different than just jujitsu. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's something that you don't know unless, unless you know what you're looking for. But mm-hmm. we were on a team before we were with, um, before we were on the jiu-jitsu team that was so just they wanted to just pass your guard and stay on top the entire time and that was it um outside of that it was like it, there was nothing um and that that's that jiu-jitsu style is fine or it was fine but it's not anymore now you have now lapel guards are getting more popular mm-hmm. you know uh you know spiders and lassos and and all these all these crazy things and that that smash game only works for so long Mm -hmm. and so while that was working it it's it's hard to stay in like a consistent routine with that and so now um with with jujitsu and and matt baker we we've really switched our entire games to being really bottom present and um playing a lot of, you know, those deep half guards and, um, and really focusing on hip movement and, um, and, and playing more of a consistent game where we, we really work on entangling our opponents and, and making them really feel uncomfortable and defeated instead of, oh, I'm going to smash your face. And if you get up, then I don't have an answer, mm. you know, because that's, that's unnecessary. We can, we can find answers. We just have to slow down and take the time to do that. And I think that's that's all of our games now to to be more be more reliant on our knowledge instead of we're just gonna you know you know work our butts off and be the strongest person in the room whenever mm-hmm. that's that should not be jujitsu that's the whole uh, that's the opposite of what the sport should be right so right. Um, like I said with the <clears throat> with the big thirteen and fourteen year old boys I mean if if someone who's not as strong or not as not as athletic can can maneuver their way underneath them and control their hip movement and control where their arms are going next and control all these things like they don't they can't do anything you know I might not be the strongest person in the room but I'm definitely going to control your hip movement I'm gonna I'm gonna dictate where you go and I think that's super important Oh, for sure. It's you can't be a one trick pony because right. if they figure out that trick, you're done. Right. And so I know um, I talked to a couple of competitors who've gone at the, you know, absolute highest level and they seen and they say, well, I'm not really that good. I do three things really, really well. Or I have this one technique and I think about um, some UFC fighters who are really good at certain moves like Ronda Rousey, like her arm bar, you, if she got you in that, that was it. But if that's the only thing you can do, if you're very one dimensional, I mean, it's just going to take some time. Somebody's just going to study up on it enough and then find out what the secret sauce is and try to, you know, replicate it. And right. so that's something I guess I love about competition is that it shows me where, okay, you're getting to be just the one thing you know, a one trick and that's it. And if they shoot that down, you've got no answer. And it sounds like from what I've heard you, you speaking on and just seeing you compete is that your game has evolved as people have responded. And I feel like the lapel guards 
I know I've been doing a bunch of squid guard recently because of people trying to smash me. Right. <laughs> and, and so it's it's really interesting. It's it's human chest. It's that ebb and flow kind of thing. Um, do you have any insights or advice for people trying to find maybe an answer for for that one, maybe a, trying to find holes in their game and trying to improve it? Um, I think my best advice is to like, Put yourself in positions against people that you know that you can kind of easily play with, if that makes sense. So yeah. like find somebody that that you know that you could you could tap 20, 30 times in yeah. a round if you wanted to. Find that person and put yourself in the worst positions possible with that person. Don't do it intentionally. Don't be like, hey dude, like I think you're awful. Let's let's, <laughs> you know. Like, don't, don't do that, obviously, but like intentionally let them take your back. Intentionally let them get on now. Like mm-hmm. intentionally let them put you in that, in that weird, like, like, like position that you're, that you're confused with. And you work out of that genuinely. Like, don't, don't, don't be aggressive. Don't over, you know, don't overcommit your energy to something, but, but take your brain and, and work out of it. And, and that's whenever you start to get better because then that person's becoming better on, on working their, their offense in that position, but you're also becoming better because you're working how to get out of that in a better way. And you can take it. And that's whenever questions come in, it's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, you know, because your mind starts, what your mind starts racing. Um, Like, well, this person's doing this in the gym and I can't get out of it. And that's probably how they're going to respond in the tournament. So like, Hey coach, like, what what's the next step here you know mm-hmm. or or you know what do I do and so that would be my best advice is put yourself in positions that you know that you're uncomfortable with and you know you're struggling with don't have don't have a big ego about it don't have a pride about it if somebody passes your guard because you're playing a guard that you're not comfortable with mm-hmm. fine work on it go back like you fall off the horse get back on right mm-hmm. so someone passes your guard go back to that guard and and work and and see where you're messing up and I'll be the first one to tell you there are certain guards that I'll work my butt off on for months. And I'm like, this might not be for me, but it's just a hit movement that I, that I haven't been doing that somebody had to point out, hmm. you know? So don't, don't have a big, a big ego about it. Take advice, take constructive criticism and, and work your butt off, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's half the game with anything yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Don't have an ego on it. And I think that's such a really good, um, good piece of advice there is you know of course yes don't go up and say hey I know you suck so let me work with you on this <laughs> but uh you know I think that's one of those things where if you can work with somebody who you trust and hey can you because I know that's something whenever I get you know somebody smashing me inside control you know work with somebody who's close to my weight and getting that movement and then yeah. when I go with somebody like my husband's size, who's def- who's definitely not my weight class. Well, okay, well, how does it work now if they're actually putting pressure into it? You right. Know? And of course, my husband's comeback would be, you don't work with me, Sarah. We don't roll well together, which we don't. <laughs> so, but have I guess that's a huge benefit for you too, having um, your whole family in jujitsu. They can probably point things out and show things with you that, you know, you get it when they show maybe one move or you have all that extra practice with somebody. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's been a super fun thing to like experience. And it's definitely humbling whenever your brother who is a lower rank than you, you mm-hmm. know, but you see you see the moments where he's working harder than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see the moments that like he's putting in extra time. Um, you know, to to have him correct you on something, it's like it's like to an outside perspective, I think it can look it can look almost bad. Mm-hmm. But from an inside perspective, it's like, well, this dude's been training, you know, just as long and you know, probably more consistently than I have since we were kids. Like he knows what he's talking about, you know? And so to like like he's pretty much taken over most of the classes that we that we teach. Um, and so to have him say, Hey Elena, like move your hip this way or like you know, take this grip and, and put it here instead. It, it's very, um, it's humbling because it's like, okay, buddy, like you're my little brother, come on. <laughs> but it's also so like, it, it almost makes the game, it almost makes you have a better respect for, for the game and like, like how we do it because you know that he knows his stuff. And then it makes you respect him a little bit more because you see how hard he's working. You see how, like his passion for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that carries along with like everybody in the family, like even my mom who doesn't consistently train, like you can see her passion for the gym the moment she walks in, you know? Oh, for sure. And so like um, having that passion, having that community that you can kind of lean back on where it's like, man, I'm in a slump. I really don't want to go today. It's like, well, you know, come on, let's go. Like you don't have to roll like as much as you have been, but like push yourself. And then it ends up being one of your best days, mm-hmm. you know? And to have somebody who understands that, especially for other people in your family who can push you to do that, it's it's really comforting. It's really it's really nice to have. Oh, for sure. And ha- having people that share a passion that's just so huge. You know, even if you know it's not jujitsu, just having people who support a passion, who understand that drive, that just makes you want to keep going because it's just reaffirming that, hey, you know, we care about the same things or the care about the thing that you care about. If they don't share it, they at least see it and have uh, a love and respect for what you love. That's, that's huge. Uh, And that was going to be something I was going to ask since you brought it up with teaching. Um, I know that y'all teach a lot of classes. And so what has that transition been like going from, you know, at age, you know, for you know toddlers obviously not teaching then but how has that improved or challenged your game now that you're teaching um that's a great question so whenever we were kids and ever whenever we were going through these like really small tournaments I mean my dad like I said my dad was my coach he still is Mm -hmm. and I mean I remember we we did some intense conditioning as children. Um, I mean, I remember there was this one time where like we had these elastic, like really long straps and like we would put them on ourselves and someone would hold us while we did like double legs or like we do sprints like uphill. And like, I just remember that and like to now and our teaching style is so different because like I said before it was, it was, well, we're going to get on top of you and we're going to be the strongest ones in the room. Mm -hmm. And now it's, well, we're going to, we're going to pull guard and control your hip movement. And like, if you want your hip to move, it's got to go through me first, Mm. you know? And so like being 
taught and being raised in that versus being taught like versus teaching now in a different like jujitsu style that's something that Braden has transitioned to really well I struggled with it a lot like I remember there were moments of like okay like let's run guys and it's like well you know we could we could just grapple for 10 minutes and that could be a warm-up you know which is more beneficial sure um but like having that like mindset of like oh well we're gonna be the strongest ones when you're teaching is really hard to like implement especially Mm. with kids now because of the game being so different than it is so as far as the the kids perspective of it um that's something I really struggle with but it's but you have to be so specific when you're teaching especially with kids and especially Mm -hmm. with um with even white belts who come in you really like because some people come in and they get it right away but um with the people who don't necessarily like jump into it 100 miles an hour you have to be so specific and when you're specific and you have to, and like, you have to be so particular about what you say and how you say it, mm-hmm. um, that makes you better as, as somebody who competes because like, you're like, oh, well, I'm teaching it this way, but is that how I actually do it? Or is that something I'm teaching because I've seen it done this way, mm. you know? Um, and so, I mean, it can be just basic things too. I mean, it's, it's it's teaching is definitely a great way when you know what you're doing I'm not saying if you're I'm not saying if you're a white belt and blue belt to like go in, up to a brown belt be like I'm gonna teach you how to pull a worm guard like don't do that <laughs> um but like teaching teaching people who who really are unsure of what they're doing is a great way to like make sure Elena, they ask me a question like I have no idea you know I lost you as uh, you said teaching is a great way and then it went robotic and quiet <laughs> uh, I teaching is a great way to like keep yourself in check and keep yourself in line um to you're you're doing the right things in tournaments you're teaching the right things but you're you know you know you know what you're doing as well you know mm-hmm. oh for sure and I think and then also just being an actual teacher myself, I can say that forcing, that's always the hardest part for my kids when I have them do presentations or I say, hey, you're going to teach this class on this person. Obviously, I'm not just saying, hey, I'm going to go to sleep. The class is yours. But uh, that's always a challenge for them because, well, what all do I need to say? I said, well, here are your parameters. It's that final stage of mastery of a subject. You know, I know the information. I can't just give you a handout and say that's sufficient. I have to be able to digest it and then give it into a way that you're going to be able to understand. If you can do that, that shows you really understand something. And so I can imagine uh, like what you're saying, it makes you be honest with yourself. Do you actually do this? Is this the way that you have found this? to work or not you know it's kind of like whenever I've had to help teach like when we had a women's class you know teaching the the young girls I said well this is the standard break what I find a lot of success with is actually in this version so let's run this 
And then that ends up being something that sticks with them. And it makes my guard break a little bit better <laughs> when I'm honest about how I usually break guard um, or something like that. You know, a really basic move. You know, it's the easiest and hardest thing you'll ever do, getting out of closed guard. So Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. And so what uh, what have you noticed in terms over the past year uh, in the competition scene since you have your kind of pulse, at least in your division? What have you noticed uh, as a big shift recently, maybe in this past year, maybe past two years? Um, I've noticed a lot, like in, in tournaments specifically, because um, I actually just got my brown belt um, a little over a year ago to today um i uh i got my facebook notification of my memory saying oh that's it's been a year um (laughs) so um i'm sorry my dog just walked in the room (laughs) oh it's fine um so with the um okay girl you gotta sit sit down sit down (laughs) i know you're okay sit down sit she just just wants to be a part she just she just wants to be in the interview so if you hear like a tip tap tip tap so sorry. Oh, it's um, all good. Anyway, um, competing. Yeah. So in the past year, um, I got my brown belt, and at purple belt, I was really like having good matches. Um, I was really like, you know, I wasn't winning everything by any means, but I was definitely, um, I was definitely like, it was a, it was a. They were all good fight you know, win or lose. Like I wasn't, I wasn't giving up points, but I wasn't like giving points easy. And, you know, it was just, it was a, they were good rounds. At Brown Belt, like, I don't know if this is bad to say or not, but I found so many people at Brown Belt are like division hopping. So I end up finding a lot of like, hmm. like masters, which is fine, but like, that is a completely different age range and it's a completely different like like style of fighting Mm -hmm. and I mean it I feel like it almost doesn't like give me um what I need like I remember I've had so I've competed in I want to say three three tournaments at brown belt Mm -hmm. um pans was my first at brown then New Orleans, and then Nashville mm-hmm. at Brown Belt. And Pans was great. Like, I pulled guard. I, like, I had good matches at Pan um, in New Orleans. And I didn't have any matches in New Orleans. No, I had one. Mm-hmm. One, I'm sorry. Yeah, one. But in, and I mean, that wasn't even, I mean, I, I swept the girl and, like, got on top. And then this, it was the same thing in New Orleans. Like it was, they were very short. They were very one-sided. And it, I felt, here's the thing. Whenever you're fighting someone who doesn't, who's not on the same like skill level, I want to say, as like what you, what you're doing, mm-hmm. it's easy to, it's easy to just go back into that smash and pass thing. Right. Um, but whenever you're actively going into a, um, a fight where you know the person is almost equally skilled. It's like, okay, well we can we can maneuver hit movement. Yeah. So that's what I've noticed in the past like year especially has been like that competition range is like slim to none. 
Yeah. I think I've had one or two matches in the past year in a tournament setting where like I've super challenged and I like it was one of those things where I lost both of those like by the skin of my teeth you know it was they were good fights they were they were they were things that I I literally told my dad of each one like I was happy about it it fought well I was Mm -hmm. like man if I would have had like 20 more seconds I could have won that you know yeah and so um that's what I've noticed in the competition realm of just like it I'm just in a weird I think I'm just in a weird age division and and weight bracket and like you know um and I don't experience too you gotta yeah and I just yeah and like so like I said on the west coast you go and like register as an adult brown belt your your division's you know gonna be it's not gonna be stacked but it's it's gonna you're gonna find somebody Mm -hmm. in the south it's like we have some master brown belt women who are competing but but not a ton you know and and no adult women and so it's it's hard but it's it's nice to to know that you're willing to compete but it's also nice to I mean we have a tournament coming up Sunday and it's nice to know that like I won't have to be stressed out and I can be with my team and Mm -hmm. support them and 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 do all that so there's pros and cons to it definitely but um definitely need a good match here soon (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you got the competition itch I understand yeah so you said you're going to be competing internationally. Is that what you said uh, at the beginning of the, the episode? Yeah. So I actually just got a text this morning from my dad that said, uh, start saving your money. We're, <laughs> we might be going to fight in Paris. So not anything, not anything super, super definite, but it's definitely, a, um, it's definitely something that we're, that we're planning on doing. It's definitely something we want to do yeah. um, to go to, you know, Brazilian nationals and, and, and Europeans and yes. you know all those all those different things that you that you see but you don't really think are real until you're there mm-hmm. those type of things um so they'd be, they'd be really good experience oh gosh yeah it sure would be I mean that's travel and jujitsu and competition Whew, sign me up I love it I know that's where I'm at too yeah now if you had you know if you liked the nogi I know you're a gi girl but if you like nogi nogi pants is coming up but that's not a international flight though. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'm doing that one. <laughs> no, I actually just got back from, uh, working a summer camp. Oh, so yes. for the past two months, I haven't been training at all, oh. um, because I've been at this summer camp. Sure, sure. And I trained for the first time back Tuesday night and it was like, it was great. But I literally, I was like, man, I want to compete so bad, but like, I would die right now, you know? <laughs> um, so like competitions are definitely on my mind, but we might have to wait a little bit. Yeah. Get back in the groove, you know? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. That's the thing. I mean, that really is the thing when you step away from the mats for a little bit of time, you know, you got to, you know, knock those cobwebs off a little bit. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on the the show and sharing your insight into the competition scene and what it's like training, you know, with your family and then helping train others. It's just, it's a really awesome story. Not a lot of people can say that. So it's, you're really fortunate. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I enjoyed our our conversations. I'm excited to trade with you again soon. I am too, for sure, for sure. All right, and I'll see you probably actually Sunday. So I'll see you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I'm one of those poor girls that didn't have anybody in her division, so I have to just wait and go to the open. So, but yeah, it is what it is. But all right, well, thank you for your time, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Zaza Music Festival, the most anticipated summer event, is coming to Baderfield in Atlantic City on July 15th and 16th. Lado, Da Baby, Remy Ma, Freeway, Beanie Siegel, Coyle Ray, Coco Jones, and more. Plus, the world premiere of the new Burner Boy Breakfast Metaverse series with more artists to be announced. Tickets are on sale now at ZazaFestivals.com. Get your tickets before they're gone. Visit ZazaFestivals.com for more info about the VIP experience and the full lineup. ZazaFestivals.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.